Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks message podcast. Our prayer and desire as you listen to today's message is that it would be an encouragement and challenge in your walk and relationship with Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at cclo.org or download our app in your app store today. Now, let's jump into today's message together. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, if you know anything about the church that's going on in the city of Corinth, Corinth was, or Corinth, however you want to pronounce it, it was sin city. It was horrible. Like, it was bad. And it's not just what was going on in the city, but what was going on in the church. Like, we're jumping in at about chapter 11, but do you read the first 10? <laughs> I mean, you had to call out a guy that was sleeping with his stepmom in the church. And there's all kinds of divisions and hate. I mean, it, you would have to squint really hard and kind of look and be like, oh, I think it's a church. Like, it, it, it made probably those, the rest in the city to kind of question, like, if that's what the church is like, do I really want to be a part of the church? <laughs> and I pray they never say that about us at Calvary Chapel. You know, I don't want to be sitting out at, you know, uh, whatever strip place on a Friday night and being like, oh, this looks just like I've been to Calvary Chapel right here. Like, we don't want that. But here, this church in Corinth, like this was happening. There were some serious issues that Paul needed to straighten out. And we're just jumping into the communion aspect, the Lord's Supper. And so he needed to give clear, straightforward teaching on communion and the partaking of it. Because there was a lot of division in the church, a lot of factions, right? And so... There's, and it, it wasn't like high school where you had like the motorhead, the greaseheads, and you had the rockers, and you had the preppies, and then the druggies or whatever. Sorry, I pointed at this group when I said that. <laughs> I know them. That's not it. But, you know, it, it's not like high school where you just kind of link up as connected people that you have a shared commonality. The divisions were destructive, and they were against the gospel, that it was happening so much that when people looked at the church, like it questioned their understanding of Jesus. And Paul's saying, we can't have this. Out of all of the issues that this church was having, the first one that he went to was division. And one of the things that was happening is even their partaking of communion was causing more and more division in the church, right? So you had, you had like the rich and the poor, you had these people that would use communion to get drunk, and so let's talk about that. So how they partaked in communion as the early church looks a little bit different than us. If you remember in our study of Jude, uh, Jude referenced it as love feasts, which I don't know if I wanna host a love feast in our culture that we have today. I think people think the church has lost its way, which some already think that, but. So they, they called them love feasts, and what they would do is take like a really good Baptist potluck. Like I grew up Baptist. You brought your Bible in a covered dish to church, right? Amen. There's some things the Lord doesn't want us to let go of. So imagine like a really good Baptist potluck in communion together. And what was happening was the rich were getting all of the food and the poor were like pushed off to the side. And it's like, no, 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 you can't partake and eat with us. And there's these divisions that are happening. And then there's those that were using communion to get drunk, right? And so let's talk about it. Like we use Welch's grape juice because that's what the Lord blessed. <clears throat> 
One day I want to use Hawaiian punch, like that red Hawaiian punch. I think that would be more like the body of Jesus, but we'd probably lose people from the church being like, they're using a Hawaiian punch, I'm out. It's not what the Lord would have for us. But in their day, they drank wine. They drank wine, okay? We're not talking about alcohol and our stance and da-da-da. We talk about that later. But they used wine in their day because there wasn't good drinking water. You would get sick off of it. And there was actually dilution rates that they had so that there was enough alcohol that it would kill anything swimming around in your water, you know, so you didn't get sick. But it was diluted enough that, like, if you were trying to get drunk, you would have to drink a lot, right? So we, yeah, we could geek out about that another time. But what was happening at these love feasts and when they were taking communion, people were using this to manipulate and abuse the Lord's Supper so they could get hammered. I mean, imagine if we did that here. Like if you, like we're going to partake in communion, you're going to come up and you're going to get a little piece of bread and you're going to get one cup, right? You take five or six shots and you're just standing there like, I'm going to kick you, okay? Like, but that's what's happening in this church, you know, they're like, why go to the bar on Friday night? They're giving it away for free at church. Like, let's go. Like, that's happy hour. Let's go. That's what's happening in the church. This is what's happening. So Paul's like, hey, we got to talk about some things here, right? And, and this partiality that you're showing, the divisions that you're having, like, understand what the word says. James 2, 1 says, my brother, show no partiality. As you hold fast the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, we show no partiality. We can't allow divisions. Why? Because God's heart, Romans 2.11, for God shows no partiality. And so we as the church in being unified, we need to be eager to maintain that unity. That means it's, it's going to take some work. It's going to be a natural thing in us to want to divide out that, oh, we're kind of different, and then we let our differences hate each other. We can't, we have to, we have to be eager to maintain that. So if there's somebody that you have something against or, or they've hurt you, like, this is a great time to nudge your spouse and say, hey, we need to be eager to maintain the unity between us. So go ahead and apologize whenever you're ready. <laughs> but we need to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We, ha we have to have this. Because when we come to the Lord's Supper, we come to the Lord's table to, to walk in that, without that unity of peace, it's conflicting. It's contradictory to it. Paul would say, you can't. Because you're, 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 going, you're, you're almost bringing judgment against yourself because of how we should be approaching and having reverence for this. So if you're in 1 Corinthians, let's, we're going to pick it up kind of the mid-spot where he's talking about the Lord's Supper, and we're going to go at verse 23. So 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you. So here's some teaching on it. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So even as we partake in communion, it's almost like this rock of remembrance that God doesn't want us to forget who Jesus is and what he's done for us, even the breaking of his own body. And in the same way, he took the cup, and if you remember from our Passover, Christ and the Passover meal, and our Jewish friend Shmuel that came, and he, he told us that there was four cups, and the one cup that Jesus picked up and said this, it was the cup of redemption. 
that it was a very specific cup. So he picks this cup after supper. That's how we know it's the cup of redemption because you drink from that after supper. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Never forget the sacrifice of Christ. That everything that we do in our lives should be from the relational aspect of our relationship with Christ and what he's done for us. You know, all the moral obligations, all the ways that we live and the convictions that we have, it comes out of a relationship, not out of regulation. That's religion. We were talking about this in Life Group this last week. You know, it's like, I, I might speed every once in a while. Very rare, unlike what my family might tell you. Very rare. But that, that need not to speed doesn't come out of a relationship with the police officer. I just don't want to pay a high ticket. But it's not like I have a relationship with some authority there that I'm trying to be mindful to maintain that relationship. And a lot of times we can struggle, we can fall into the trap that we think the Bible is this law book of guardrails and, and, and rules for us that we have to keep and we lose the relationship with Christ. That's where it becomes religion. And so we need to allow our relationship with Christ. That's the motivation for us to live in a way that honors Christ. And so everything that we do, we do this in remembrance of him. So when I need to have a little bit of the fruit of the spirit of patience, when they get my order wrong, hey, we're normally used to getting screamed at. Why didn't you yell at us? Because I'm remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. Or if my kids want to sing to the top of their lungs in the back of the car, which is such a blessing some days, right? And I have to have gentleness and kindness towards them. Why am I that way? Because I'm remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. And so, pick them back up. For as often as you drink, in, drink uh, let's try this again. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this symbolism, the symbolic act of taking, it's just bread and juice, it's gluten-free bread, Welch's grape juice, that's all it is. It's symbol, but it's of a, if it's a pointing to a real reality, it's so that we would remember the body and blood of Jesus, but also when we gather together as the body of Christ and we partake in this, we're proclaiming the Lord's death. This is very evangelistic in a way. This is gospel-driven that we are proclaiming Christ until he comes. Meaning that this could be the last time that we take it. And I'm glad that you're here. We could take it together as a family. This might be the last time that we take communion as the body of Christ before he comes. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> we might not even get to it. Looking at the rest of my notes, we might be here a while. But one of the things that was happening, look at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, like those are some heavy words, that you can come to the Lord's table, you could partake in this in an unworthy manner, and you'll be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Don't take that lightly. You know, because in Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it tells us that we, we don't want to forsake the assembling together, that it is good for us to gather. It, it is a biblical concept. 
And so it's like, ah, do I really need to go to church? Yes, yes. To walk in the fullness and the obedience of what the Lord has designed for us as the body of Christ, don't forsake the assembling. We need to come together. But that is to say also, not all church gatherings are a blessing or honoring to Jesus. Not all gatherings are fruitful. Paul would go on to say, go back to verse 17 when he's talking about this. He goes, in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Like, we got to talk about some things. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but it's for the worse. He would almost say, like, I would rather you stay home. Because when you guys come together as a church and you partake in this, you're causing more issues than you are being a blessing unto the Lord and to each other. That we can't approach both communion and baptism, I think, in an unworthy manner. That it would cause more division in issues. And so it is a very serious thing that we need to understand and know coming to the table, not in an unworthy manner. We, we, we don't want anybody looking at us and saying, hey, when you guys come together as Calvary Chapel, it's actually for the worse, not for the better. We, we don't want that. And so with those not walking with Jesus, when they see us in unity as a body of believers, so what are the issues? The partiality that they're showing. So if we're holding to some higher and some lower and we're, we have hate for one another, if we have divisions among us in the body and we come to communion, I would rather you not come to communion. That's what Paul is saying. That is an unworthy manner. That if your church is not in a healthy position and you're not leaning into the things of God, don't come to the table. If that's not your, don't come to the table. That's gonna be an unworthy manner because those that are not walking with Jesus, when they see us in unity as a body of believers, a community of faith, we use that term in our, in our vision statement, we're a spiritual family. When they see us eating and drinking to remember the body and blood of Jesus, the message of the gospel becomes visible. Our world is full of divisions. They'll divide over anything. And we're going to have that natural, sinful inclination in us to want to try to do the exact same thing. But I love what Paul says in Galatians 3. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, man nor woman, but we are all one in Christ. Where the world wants to divide us out. And not only that, then destroy the roles and the purposes that we have the church is bringing that together. It's Christ and his body and his blood that brings us in unity. And so we have to guard, we have to be eager to maintain this unity. So let's say it practically. We need to quit being jerks to one another. You know, the things that grandma taught us, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, that, that's not a bad advice right there. That might be something you might need to live out. Even the Bible says that you will seem wise, the foolish person will seem wise just to keep his mouth shut. You want people to think you're smart? Quit talking. <laughs> I know, very ironic right now from the guy talking. <laughs> <laughs> but understand that even the manner in which we operate as the church, we're proclaiming the gospel. But what gospel are we proclaiming? the unity that we have as the body of Christ, the love for one another, the desire to build each other up, to love each other, to step into each other's lives? 
or are we preaching another gospel? And Paul would tell another church, hey, if you're preaching another gospel, you need to be accursed. Because if we're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's better for us not to gather. It's better for us not to partake in communion because it's causing it to be worse. And so we have to understand that the body of Jesus, it wasn't broken for us to continue to break it apart. And we are the body of Christ now. We are the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus. And, and the unique part of it is fully as us, as Calvary Chapel, we're the body of Christ, but then, and we're made up of different parts and different members, right? And we all have a different role, but then also Calvary Chapel is a part of the church, capital C, and that we are just a part of the body of a whole. And so we don't hate any of the other churches in town. It actually grieves me that there's so much division and dissension between us. And I said this at the <clears throat> men's meat feast and might just say it here. We have to understand that Jesus is not, he's not coming back for a harem. He's coming back for a bride. A singular bride of Christ. And if we truly want to make an impact in the lake area, it's going to take more than Calvary. And so yes, pray for the leadership and pray for the church here, but pray for Jubilee. Pray for Seth. Pray for O'Hills and for victory and for freedom. Pray for these pastors in our community. They are wonderful men that love the Lord. But we need that unity of the body. It, the body of Christ, it wasn't broken for us to continue to break it apart. And it's hard, like a little transparency, you get a bunch of pastors together, Sometimes it's not the best thing in the world. We can get really territorial. You can even ask Jerron when he was in student ministries. I don't know who told him this, but he was trying to call around, connect with some youth pastors, and he was told, hey, you just stay on your side of the lake, and I'll stay on my side of the lake. Not here at Calvary. We're not going to have that kind of heart. Why? Because that's not the heart of Jesus. His body was broken so that we would build each other up. Not just here in Calvary, but you have friends that go to other churches, amen. Build them up. Don't, don't discourage them, encourage them. Understand, Ephesians 4, if you want to turn there with me. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, verse 16, from whom the whole body, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that builds itself up in love. All right, so listen to what he's saying. That each part is, needs to be working properly so that the whole body would grow up in love. Meaning, that's why serving in the church is so important. That all of us, just, just talking about Calvary right now, all of us here this morning, we are parts of the whole. That we make up the whole. And each part needs to be working properly so that the whole body would grow up itself in love. Meaning that if we refuse to serve, if we refuse to step into God's design for us, we're going to hold the body back. 
from growing into the fullness that Jesus would have for us. That it's not even a persecution and, and, and hate from the world around us, that our, feet, our, our mere apathy of not stepping in to the fullness of what God has for us, that's gonna hold the whole body back from growing itself up in love. That's why it's important for everyone regardless of our position, regardless of which part of the body that we are, all equally important. Why? Because when each part is working properly, it makes the body, the whole body, grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's a different way to look at serving in the church, isn't it? Now I'd rather just keep holding it back. They're doing fine without me. Look at them. But imagine how impactful we'd be with you. And so we come together as the church to build up understanding we're one body and we're going to be eager to maintain this unity. And when we, when we hear the temptations to want to divide and to gossip and to hate and to hurt one another, nope, we're going to be eager to maintain. And we're not going to fall into those sin, but we're going to build each other up. And every month we take communion and that's the reminder for us, the sacrifice of Christ so that we as one body would remember him, proclaim his death, and be built up to the fullness of what he has for us. Uh, we're not done. We still, have, we still have a couple things to talk about here. We still got a little bit going on. There's still something else that Jesus has called us as the church to have symbolism to remember and don't forget what he's done. And so we have our baptism out, and, and we are going to partake and, and celebrate some baptisms. And I want to just teach on that because there is a lot of different ways that the church as a whole has approached baptism. And so it's not just giving our stance, but what does the Bible say for us? So if you're still there in 1 Corinthians, you just want to turn to chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is where you want to be. So Jesus, or Jesus, Paul talking about the Lord's Supper, and then he moves into something pointing to baptism. Now here at Calvary, when we talk about baptism, that the phrase that we use, it, it's an outward expression of an inward reality. But you might kind of be thinking, okay, well, what's that inward reality then? Like what's, what's going on that we do this so that everyone can see, but what's going on internally in that person? And we would use terms like, well, they're saved. It's salvation. It's the process by which God, through the work of Jesus Christ, delivers sinners from the prison of sin, right? That baptism doesn't save us. It's an act, it's, an, it's a symbolism of our salvation. And we wanna be very clear on that because there is some confusion that baptism doesn't save us. Baptism always follows what God has already done in our hearts, that inward reality. And that's where like Romans 1.16 talks about the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 10.10, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then we will be saved. Acts 4.12, that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. So salvation, it's a very broad term, but it encompasses three stages, right? So salvation, stage one would be salvation from the past penalty of sin. The stupid things that I did are gone and paid for. And then also it's salvation from the present power of sin. 
So even the things that I'm struggling with because of my salvation, the power of God, it empowers me to overcome the stranglehold of sin upon my life, that there is freedom in that. Meaning that there is no sin that could plague you that God cannot deliver you from. Because a lot of times we'll fall in that trap like, oh, I'm, I'm always gonna deal with this, I'm always gonna struggle with this. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus, not just unto salvation, but unto deliverance from that present power of sin. Have faith. The same spirit that raised him from the grave now lives in us. Understand that power. But then also the third stage is from the future presence of sin. That one day we will not be in the presence of sin whatsoever. We will be with Jesus in his presence. And we use big fancy terms for this, you know, justification. That's the salvation from the past penalty of sin. Sanctification, the present power of sin. And glorification, a salvation from the future presence of sin. And so if, we, if you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, we're all in our sanctification process. If you're not there, we hope that this service provides you space to think through, have I put my faith and my trust in Jesus? Have I been saved? Do I have that rock of remembrance of being saved, being born again, and there's a lot of different words and terms that we see in and through Scripture. So sometimes you hear salvation, and then you'll hear redemption, mediation, regeneration, born again. That was kind of a popular one there. Have you been born again? Adoption, reconciliation, forgiveness, propitiation, atonement. Some people like to, you gotta get the fullness, the substitutionary atonement, meaning you deserve to be on that cross, but you were substituted out, and Christ went to it for you. Even full phrases that can uh, articulate our salvation, that we are in Christ, we're a new creation, we're a new man or a new self, we're made alive, we're at peace with God, which would mean before our salvation, we are at war with God. Do you ever think about that? No, I'm just on the fence. The devil owns the fence. So we are at peace with God because of our salvation. And then there's one more, to be baptized by one spirit. So go here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, kind of talked about that already a little bit, and all the members of the body, though many, we are one body. So it is with Christ. That's why each body part matters so much as the body of Christ that they're working popular or properly because we are one body. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so water baptism, yes, is an expression that we are dead to ourselves, raised to new life in Christ, absolutely. And water baptism is also an outward expression of the inward reality of the spirit's baptism in our life. And that's another clear teaching that we need in baptism because there's some in the church, in our family of faith of uh, the capital C, maybe not just Calvary, but the capital C, that we would see salvation and a work of the Spirit as two separate things. But you can't divide those. That the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all are involved in our act of salvation, which baptism is this expression of it. 
And so the Spirit applies to us in the church what Christ accomplished for the church on the cross. That's why we're not universalist. Universalists would read like a John 3.16 and say, well, well, God sent Jesus to the cross so that the whole world would be saved. And if Jesus is that powerful, then the whole world is saved. No, because it wasn't applied to them. Go back to Exodus with the Passover, the, sacra, uh, the sacrificial lamb, that Passover lamb that you had to sacrifice, take its blood, hyssop branches, and apply it to your doorpost. It didn't matter if you knew everything about the lamb. It didn't even matter if you had your own bucket of blood and some hyssop branches. You just looked like a moron. What mattered for the angel of death to pass over your house is you had to dip those hyssop branches in that blood and apply it to the doorpost of your house. And so even for us, we have to apply the blood of Christ to our lives. And that comes through the work of the Spirit. It's not just knowing that Jesus went to the cross, it, to the cross. it's that it was applied to us. And so salvation, it was purposed by God. It was the Father's idea. It wasn't like Jesus walked up to God the Father and said, hey, like, I know you just want to smite these sinners, but I really want to save them. No. It was the Father's idea. So it was purposed by the Father. It was accomplished by the Son but it's applied by the Holy Spirit. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit that we want in our lives for justification, we want the work of the Spirit in sanctification, and we want the work of the Spirit in our glorification. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's gonna be glorification. That's gonna be a day of glory because we're stepping into glory. That's a work of the Spirit. And so without the Spirit's work in salvation, all that Christ accomplished on the cross, it brings us no value. We're just walking around with our bucket of blood. But there's no application to it. And so we need the Spirit's application of salvation to us. And so Scripture is very clear. The Spirit graciously, effectively, and permanently gives us Christ and every blessing that he has secured for us. And this, this baptism is an outward expression, it's symbolism, but of a real thing. That's why we, we come to the Lord's table with reverence, not because it's juice and bread, because of what it points to, the reality of the body and the blood of Jesus. We hold that very reverent, so we come to the table with reverence. We hold very reverent the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us and the new life that we have through that spiritual baptism. And so we come to a physical baptism, the outward expression symbolically of it, with high reverence. That's, why, that's how we answer when people say, well, it's just bread and juice. What does that mean? You're right. It's symbolism. It doesn't mean a whole lot. That's just bread and juice. We bought it from the store. You can get it today, probably on sale. That's just water in a horse trough. What makes it different? The symbolism, the reality that it points to. And so for us in baptism, we hold this very reverent, not because it produces in us salvation, because it's a picture of our salvation. It's that outward expression of it. And so with that, we have a few people that wanna get baptized, and we love doing baptisms here. And if you don't scream and shout and holler and celebrate this, you're gonna stand out like a sore thumb. And so if you're getting baptized, go ahead and stand up. You're gonna come over here to the corner. 
and we'll get going. Having technical difficulties, we need a mic. Not if your name is Mike. Oh, here it is. Coming in hot from Soraya. Give it up for Soraya. There it is. Check one, check two. Good morning. <laughs> uh, this is Mary. Mary's decided to get baptized today. So um, I've known Mary just a little over three years now. And um, I'm really emotional and pregnant, so don't mind me, okay? Um, and we have walked through so much together in the past three years. And so it's really cool that she has put her faith in Jesus and wants to declare that and I've seen her grow a lot these past three years, and I feel honored that I get to do this for you, Mary. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going to pray. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for Mary's life, and we just thank you that she has turned to you and um, put her life in you, Lord. I ask that you would use her. Lord, help her and guide her in these next few years of transition and change into adulthood, Lord. And I just pray that you would... Um, be with her and her family, Lord, that she would have brothers and sisters around her that guide her closer to you, Lord. We just thank you and praise you for everything she's done for your kingdom already and what she's going to do. So, amen. Uh, Mary, with Pastor Nick and what he said, you agree with our statement of baptism and have you put your trust in Jesus? Amen. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I was really nervous it was going to be cold. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> All right, this is my friend Maverick. He is eight years old. Um, some other things you might want to know about him is I've known him for a little over a year now. He's pretty cool. Um, he loves chickens and fainting goats. <laughs> and if you want to hear any stories, come find him afterwards. I'm sure he'll tell you. Um, more than that, though, he loves Jesus, and that is so important. Um, the cool, other cool thing about Maverick is that's his big brother and big sister, and they're also getting baptized today. Um, okay, Maverick, I have a couple questions for you. You ready? Yes. Okay. Maverick, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Have you trusted in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again for you? Yes. Okay. 
And you just heard Pastor Nick speak about baptism. Do you agree with what he said? Yes. Okay. Let's pray for you. Dear God, we come to you now just thanking you for Maverick's life and um, just the opportunities that you're going to have for him in the future to show that um, he loves you and that other people will hopefully be able to see you through him. Um, God, we just thank you that you are here in this moment and please um, bless him for the rest of his life. In your name, amen. All right, ready? Anybody want to hold on? Okay. <laughs> All right, Maverick, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, this is Hudson, uh, big brother to Maverick, who just got baptized, and little brother to our next guest, and, and maybe another guest. We don't know. Um, I have had the privilege to be Hudson's youth pastor uh, six months, something like that. I remember the first, uh, the first Wednesday they showed up, uh, Hudson and Maddie, or Addie, sorry, sat right about there and didn't say a word to anybody, and I was like, oh man, here we go, um, and about a... About a month later, you couldn't get him to stop talking, and so uh, this is actually a really awesome time. Uh, Hudson's one of those kids that just takes it serious uh, whenever we jump into the Bible, and it's uh, just a privilege for me to be here uh, today and get to do this uh, with him. So uh, I got some questions. Um, do you believe everything that has been taught about baptism? Yeah? You, you agree with us? Yes. And have you put your faith in Jesus? That's awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for today, this day that, that means so much in the life of Hudson and his walk and, and just being willing to take that next step with you. God, I pray that you do protect him as he continues to take those future steps, that he can be this city on a hill, this light that to the people around him, that they can see your good news. Just continue to strengthen him in that, protect him in that, and we pray for all these amazing things that he's going to do for your kingdom. God, we love you and trust you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready? You need to cover your nose? Okay. <laughs> I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It sounds like I'm going to repeat a story, but I am. Uh, Maddie, or Addie's first time. Why do I keep calling you Maddie? What did you do? Addie's first time. She sat over here and uh, didn't say anything. And uh, it's been six months later, and she still doesn't say anything. Um, <laughs> but Addie takes it serious. And it's been a pr privilege and an honor just to be here and, and get to watch her take these steps with, uh, with Jesus and her relationship with him. And uh, it's a privilege to be here today. So I got a couple questions. Do you agree with what we've said about baptism? And have you put your faith in Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for Addie's faith. God, we thank you so much for her willingness to take this next step with you. God, we do pray and just ask that you protect her. 
as she continues to do this. It's not popular. It's not the thing of this world. And I just pray that you continue to draw her near to you and that she looks a little bit different than the whole world. God, we just thank you so much for your, your, the way that you've stepped into her life and what you mean to her. God, we love you and trust you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My privilege. Do you need to cover your nose? Okay. My privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John's already wet. <laughs> and we're serious as a heart attack. That if you, the Lord is stirred as we've talked about what his word says and what it means to walk in obedience, and if you feel like that's your next step, I encourage you to stand up, empty your pockets, because I don't want to pay for your iPhone uh, getting destroyed, and come to the water and allow Pastor Sean to baptize you. I see, I see boots coming off. There we go. Come on. <laughs> Good pat down right before. All right, help me, uh, help me. Who do we have here? Tucker. This I is am their big brother. This is the biggest falls. <laughs> <laughs> so Tucker, uh, you heard Pastor Nick teach on where we stand on baptism and all this. Do you agree with our stance? Yes, sir. And have you put your faith in Jesus? Yes, sir. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Tucker. We thank you so much for his faith that's just living out loud right in front of us. Uh, thank you for the, the willingness to just take a step um, and, and get into this, this tub and just show the people around him, his family, his friends, and the people around the world that the change that you've done in his heart and his life. God, we pray for his walk. We pray that you continue to call him deeper and deeper with you and that you know he looks like a stranger to this world. God, we love you and trust you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Anyone else? A wet car ride home is worth walking in obedience to Jesus. And this is just one next step. You know, it might not be baptism for you. It was for these guys. But we are all called to take our next step with Jesus. We're all called to take that one more step of faith where he's calling us out into deeper waters with him. Will you trust me in this? Will you live according to what I am calling you and how I am calling you to live? So we all have that next step. Just because like, you know, oh, I've already been baptized, so that's not my next step. Or, you know, hey, we're gonna be honest. We're, we want space. We don't want you to feel manipulated and forced. Like if you're just not ready, you're not ready, and we are okay with that. But all of us have that next step of faith. And so if God is stirring in your heart, like it was with Tucker, Whatever that is, we all have that next step. Nobody here 
myself included, have arrived, that God is still doing a work in and through us. And the same call is to each and every one of us, that it is a beautiful day to say yes to Jesus, not just in our salvation, but also in our sanctification, and to continue to grow in our faith. And so if you are wondering, hey, what's my next step? That's a great question to seek the Lord about. And so I encourage each and every one of you to do the same. And if ever you feel the need to say, you know what, I think my next step is to be baptized, come and talk to us. I think my next step is to get involved in a life group, come talk to us. I think my next step is to get involved in serving the church, come talk to us. It's the reason, one of the reasons that we are here is to help each other take our next steps in our faith. It's gonna be awkward at times, gonna be difficult, possibly. You're gonna have to sacrifice something, most likely, but he is worth it. Again, remember the body and the blood of Jesus and what he has done for you. However we live in response and obedience to him according to his word, he is worthy and it is worth it. So let's pray and we'll get you guys out of here. Father, we love you, we trust you, We thank you uh, for the rocks of remembrance in our life. We thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus that we can stop even as we celebrate this symbolic uh, meal of communion that it is pointing to you and what you have done for us. And I pray that the blood has been applied to each and every one of us, that we are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are walking in our salvation but knowing that that's just the beginning, Lord, where you want to continue to work and move in our lives and and to create in us to be like you. So I ask that you would continue working, calling us to our next steps of faith, whatever they would be, Lord. And we as one body would not be holding back any part of the body, but as one body, we'd be growing up in the fullness of what you have for us. Give us that kind of faith, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? As always, we have a prayer team at the end of every service. Scott and Lori Blackshire would love to pray with you and for you. So if your next step is for some uh, prayer, go and see them. Other than that, go love God, love others, impact the world. We'll see you guys next week.